So uh, Tom Riddle is a, the name of a character in the Harry Potter books, for those of you who are familiar with the Harry Potter books. Um, and, and of course, you can't just have the name Riddle in a story if there isn't a puzzle or some hidden meaning related to the character, right? Like you can't just have the name Riddle. So uh, spoiler alert for those of you who have not read past uh, the second book, uh, and are intending to read past the second book, you might want to plug your ears perhaps, but the, the secret message is revealed by rearranging the letters of Tom Riddle's full name, Tom Marvolo Riddle, into I am Voldemort, who is like the main villain of the story. All right, are you, are you following me? Now the problem with having books that are so popular that they want to be read around the world is that when you translate them into other languages, the puzzles stop working. Uh, and you have to change them because you're dealing with different letters and different phrases, right? So, so Tom Riddle, uh, in, in France, you can't just say, I am Voldemort, you need to say, je suis Voldemort, which, again, is, it, it requires different letters. So, so Tom Riddle becomes Tom Jedusor, and I think Jedusor is sort of like a made-up French word that is intended to mean riddle, um, and, and, uh, and that gives us some of the letters that we need for, uh, for je suis Voldemort. Um, so we have different letters, and we, we, we have the middle name that can help sort of help us sort of finish the puzzle in, in this language, um, hopefully. Uh, so, so once they've used all the letters from Tom J. Dussor, they're left with, with five specific letters that they need in order to get Je suis Voldemort, all right? Are, are you with me? So I'm going to give you the five letters and see if you can if you can figure out a good name, a good middle name that would work uh, for this puzzle in French. Uh, so the letters that were missing and that they needed for, for the middle name were E-L-V-I-S. <laughs> can you think of a name? <laughs> Elvis, right? So Tom, Elvis, Je Dussor, Je suis Voldemort. Um, Elvis obviously doesn't have quite the sort of the menacing sort of feel that Marvolo has, Tom Marvolo Riddle, um, but good for them with coming up with, with something. Um, now, uh, uh, names and stories, it, it, it's not uncommon, right, for, for names to have, have a deeper levels of, of meaning in stories, which, which help to carry the plot forward or the story forward. And, and sometimes these names uh, in stories or the stories themselves can can move us forward and can move our, our world forward. So uh, during the civil rights movement, um, Nichelle Nichols, for those of you who know who she is, became the first black woman to have a leading role in a TV show in the United States. So this is in the 1960s. She was Lieutenant Uhura on the Starship Enterprise in the original Star Trek. Have you heard of Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, so as a woman of color in a leading role in the 1960s, there were actually television stations who said that they were not going to show Star Trek on, on their, their stations because of her presence on the show, which, which made her presence on the show all the more important. And so significantly, the name of her character is the name that she actually came up with herself, which, um, which comes from, uh, from the, the uh, word in Swahili, Uhuru, instead of Uhura, which means freedom. So in, in the middle of the civil rights movement, the first black woman in the leading role on television in the United States, her name was Lieutenant Freedom. Names carry meaning, and meaning in these stories can, can carry the story forward, and the stories can many times move us forward 
and hopefully our world forward too. So, today in, in this season of Lent, we are beginning with the revolutionary story of Ruth, where it's worth paying attention to names. Not because these particular names are all that inspiring, which you'll soon find out, but, but these names help connect us to the struggle of the characters and hopefully the struggle of real people in this world today. So let's listen um, as we uh, read the beginning of the book of Ruth, uh, chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled... Oh, okay, so let's pause just for a second before we move any further. Notice that this beginning is sort of like the beginning of of a murder mystery or a thriller that begins with, it was a dark and stormy night. Like, nothing good is going to happen on a dark and stormy night in a murder mystery, right? And nothing good is going to happen in the time of the judges or, or these, these tribal military leaders. The, the book of Judges in the Bible is basically all about the absolute failure of humanity. <laughs> like tragic story after tragic story after tragic story of corruption, abuse, and violence. It's religion and politics at its absolute worst. And the book ends with this reminder. There was no king in the land, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I mean, thank God, after 3,000 years, we're so much more evolved, right? (laughs) So much more aware of the experiences of other people around us. Right. So, continuing. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a a famine in the land, obviously, because nothing good is going to happen. And a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to live in the land of Moab. Okay, so just when you think that things couldn't possibly get any worse, they go to Moab. And Moab, you might remember from the book of Numbers, was the country that tried to hire someone to place a curse upon the people of Israel. So not a great way to to make friends with your new neighbors is is to try to curse them. And and the people of Moab helped to turn the people of Israel away from faith in God and away from God's vision for peace and justice. Uh, This is is the, the, the land of Moab. And so there is so much animosity between Israel and Moab that there are parts of the Bible that say that the people of Moab are excluded from worshiping God, as if they can do that, up to the 10th generation. So essentially, you're never welcome here. So there's a famine in Bethlehem, which ironically, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. But without any bread in the house of bread, they have to travel and live with the enemy. Are you with me? So, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem went to live in the land of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons, and finally we get to verse 2. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. Now, Elimelech means, my God is king. But we've already heard that in the time of the judges, There was no king in the land. So does this mean that that no God too? And Naomi means pleasant, but there's nothing pleasant about not being able to feed your family. There's nothing pleasant about being displaced away from your home 
as a refugee. So in this story, when we look at the names of, of this family, there's, there's this disconnect between their faith and their experience of life. A disconnect between what they believe and what they're experiencing. And so in the season of Lent, we are moving toward a time just before Easter in the, in the story when Jesus himself will beg God to rescue him from his experience of suffering. We are moving toward a time when Jesus himself will feel what so many in the world feel, that there's no God in the land or that there's no king in the land and that there's no God who is close. So, we look at the horrors of war in Ukraine and so many other places around the world and we wonder, where, where's God? We see millions of refugees fleeing for their survival and we wonder, where is God? And if we've ever asked this question or if we've ever tried to push this question out of our minds because we're afraid of that question, the Bible itself asks this question for us. Where is God? when there's a disconnect between what we believe and what we experience in real life. So the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of their two sons were sick and weak. It was actually Malin and Chilean, but, but those names mean sick and weak, which is like, why would you name your kids that? I mean, are you just trying to lower your expectations? You know, if they just don't get arrested, like I'll be happy <laughs> as, the, as they grow up. Or, or in this story, as long as they don't marry those seductive and evil Moabite women when, when we move there, they can marry anybody else, anybody, and we'll be happy. So they went to the land of Moab and they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died obviously. And she was left with her two, her two sons. Her two sons who married Moabite women, obviously. So the name of the one was Orpah, whose name means neck, which is likely like a statement of beauty. Um, but it's also the metaphor in the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding, where, where the, the older patriarch husband in the family says that he's the head of the household. But then the wife is like, well, but I'm the neck and I can make the head turn wherever I want it to go. Um, so, Orpah, and the name of the other is Ruth. And, and so this, this is the book of Ruth, so we'll, we'll get to spend more time with her later on. So, when they lived in the land of Moab for 10 years, both Malan and Chilean, sick and weak, also died. <laughs> Obviously. You can't name your kids sick and weak and then move to Moab in the middle of a famine and expect everyone to thrive. Like, the, the story just doesn't work that way. I mean, the obvious solution was trust that God is king. Still, stay in the house of bread and name your kids strong and awesome or something like that. Like, that's how the, how, how, how the story should go, Right? But then we actually don't have a story because it ends sort of with, with nothing significant happening, right? Um, and we don't have a story that connects with our real experience of life because we don't get to go through life dictating that everything is just going to work out fine, that we're always going to be strong, that we're never going to get sick, that we're never going to experience pain and suffering. 
So, as we begin this story, we have this obvious experience of deep human suffering and pain. And the temptation for us at this point is to press forward to the end of the sermon so that, I don't know, what is it that we're looking for out of this sermon? What is it that we're looking for out of this story? Do we want at least a little bit of hope? Do we want some redemption? Do we want God to show up? We just can't end the sermon with, where is God? There is no God who is close. We can't end with, and they all died, right? Like, that's a terrible ending. I mean, what kind of a pastor would end his sermon with, they all died? But, but here is the thing. In real life, our pain rarely lasts only five verses. Many times our experiences of doubt and uncertainty happen at the beginning of the sermon and they last well past the end of the sermon. So perhaps there's something important about not moving on too quickly in this story. I mean, most of the time we we don't have the luxury of skipping ahead to the resolution. Most of the time we don't have the luxury in our lives at least of skipping ahead to the happy ending. So in this season of Lent, we'll sit with Naomi in her struggle and in her loss. And in this week, we'll continue to sit with the people of Ukraine in their struggle and in their loss. As much as they would like to move ahead to the resolution and the happy ending, they can't. And so we won't either. We can sit with any disconnect that we might have between our faith and our real experience of life. We don't have to rush forward. In fact, maybe we shouldn't rush forward if rushing forward means that we leave those who are struggling behind and alone. This week, the book of Ruth And the season of Lent, when it comes around every year, invites us into an experience of compassion. So, pray with me. God, if you are there, help us to sit with those who are hurting. Amen.